Hi guys, it's Kara, host of Everyone's Business But Mine. And let's be real, one thing that makes the show possible is by selling sponsorships to advertisers. One way you can support us in getting more sponsors is by telling us a little bit more about yourself. You can do that by filling out a quick survey at the link in the show description. Plus, your answers are anonymous. They'll help us learn what you love most about the show and how to make it even better. The questions will ask you about the things that help advertisers understand the audience. It'll only take a few minutes, and it's an easy way to help the show. So you can find the link in the show description. Thank you so much, and stay tuned for the rest of the show. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Sheena. What? Because she slammed him with a domestic violence charge. After everyone left the Belmont, Brock pulled me aside and told me about his past. Brock was in a relationship with this woman that he had a child with, and things got physical. But he didn't do anything. You know that, right? I know everything. There were a lot of things in that relationship that didn't go well. But, you know, it takes a lot for a court to say you can no longer see your children. Okay? Is so that forgive happened? me if I'm a little concerned for you. So she has a restraining order? That's what he told me. And it is nerve-wracking. Because you've been with him for two years, but anything could happen. I just want you to be a smart person because it's not about you anymore. You have a child. Welcome to another episode of Everyone's Business But Mine with me, Kara Berry, Vanderpump Rules, Real Housewives of Beverly Hills, Part 3 Reunion, and Winter House Recap. Um, here's the rub, you guys. <laughs> <laughs> I did watch Vanderpump live, and then I thought I saved it on my TV, but I didn't. And honestly, I had a moment with myself, and I thought... I don't think you guys are really watching this show. <laughs> so <laughs> for those of you who are, I think I can get off on just like my memory, which we all know is shaky at best. I 
forget what I'm saying in the middle of a sentence. So we'll see how this goes. I felt like there were three to five plot points that are A, memorable, and B, worth talking about. So let's get into it. First things first, we find out pretty early on in the episode that the results have come back from uh, both Tom and Katie's fertility research or whatever, and that everything is a-okay with Katie. Her womb is pristine. She's got follicles like the ones on her hair, just like thick, beautiful, gorgeous, luscious. And um, yeah, everything's good with her. However, Schwartzy um, has a bit of an issue. And that is the fact that apparently only 4% of his swimmers have normal heads. Now, really, was anybody surprised by that? No. We're about as surprised as when we found out that on Real Housewives of New Jersey that Joe Gorga and his, like, roided up self had, like, just three sperm left and they were all on their last legs <laughs> or leg, whatever. Um, so, yeah, he's got some morphing. He's got, so apparently, you know, you're supposed to, your sperm is supposed to have normal shaped heads, but apparently only 4% of his do. I imagine the other ones um probably have like Sandoval's uh braids from season four or whatever and um just like multiple mutations. I, I can't imagine this man is fueled by uh Coors Light at any given moment. So you know he's, his sperm probably look like some sort of NASCAR rally, let's be real. Um so yeah, but that no surprise there. No surprise there. They go through the, you know, what are you doing? What's your lifestyle like that might be leading to this? Do you uh, go in a hot tub a lot? And apparently we find out that Tom likes to take a lot of baths. Probably because he doesn't have to stand up. You know, just doing that, like, exhausted thing. Like, standing upright in the shower. Um, and he says that he only smokes weed once a week. But apparently over the course of the last year or so he's been really upticking on the mushroom usage and he says he has about 10 to 20 drinks a week now um we all know we've all been in that situation where the doctor asks us questions and we're like mm, <laughs> how can i make this situation a little bit rosier than it is like we all know that we're lying it's almost to the point where they shouldn't even ask us because let's be real. We're all, we're all lying in that doctor's office. So I mean, 10 to 20 seems like a gross underestimation, but even still, that's pretty excessive. The doctor tells him to go down to four drinks a week, which we find out later in the episode is absolutely not going to happen because he had four drinks within the first 20 minutes of hanging out with the boys later the episode. Um, but the, I don't want to call it bombshell, but uh, new information that we find out is that Katie and Tom actually were pregnant at some point, or Katie was pregnant with Tom's baby uh, about 10 years ago. They were at, uh, this is like the first year of their relationship. They were in a really bad place, not knowing what their future would hold. And yeah, Katie said that this was just the right decision for me. And I applaud her for saying that. I applaud her for sharing that. I think that's extremely cool. And I, I like it. I hope that this doesn't tie into, 
I hope she doesn't feel in any way that like that could have been her baby. You know, I just hope she's not thinking about it in that way. It doesn't seem like it, but I hope, I hope that she isn't. Um, but yeah, I thought it was really chill and cool that she mentioned that. Um, Tom said something to us about how, you know, if she wanted to have the baby, he absolutely would have done it. And, but he was in a place where he was sleeping on an inflatable mattress in Jackson Sandoval's apartment. And, you know, they were just not in that place. All right, you guys, the second part is going to be a bit of a hot take. I'm not conflicted. I'm acting like I'm conflicted and I'm not, I'm not. Cause I feel this very deeply in my body. I understand Sandoval. I'm not saying that he's acting perfect. I'm not saying that he's not being annoying. I know that people have really turned on him this season and have even gone so far to say that maybe Jax was um, kind of good for Sandoval in the sense that it hid how terrible he was. I disagree, but here's my thing. With regard to Katie wanting to be involved in the new restaurant... I'm on his side. I think he's doing too much, but I get it. I think what he's doing is that he's like being really dramatic because he feels like nobody is hearing him and he's feeling very alone and he's feeling very much like I feel this way and I feel it very deeply and nobody's understanding me. And so he's going, I think for the dramatic, um, which is losing his audience even more, <laughs> but I I get it. I get it. Here's the thing. If he does not want to do business with her, he should not do it. And people should not act like, oh, this is Tom Schwartz's wife. And so we should take that into account. Like, no, if he doesn't want to do business with her, if he does not want to enter into some sort of financial <laughs> obligation with a person that he doesn't like, he shouldn't have to do that. And it doesn't matter that that's Schwartz's wife. Like, I get it. If he doesn't want to do it, then he shouldn't do it. Like, if you don't want to, it's like borrowing money from a friend. Don't do it. If you think it's going to mess up your relationship, don't move in with a friend. If you think it's going to mess up with your relationship, don't go into a potentially years long business interaction with somebody. If you don't fuck with them, (laughs) why would he do that? (laughs) It doesn't make any sense to me. And I get it. And I get that he feels like, if nobody is understanding that aspect of it, I don't think he's articulating it well, clearly, um, because nobody seems to be on his side. But like, I'm I'm with you, Sandoval. I get it. I think you should find a different way to approach this. I don't know if it even matters in the present day, but I just feel like, why are we fighting so hard for them to go into business with each other? Chris, Katie doesn't like him either. So what are we doing? <laughs> My third point is short and sweet, which is less pickleball, more Charlie. Where has Charlie been? What happened? She left Palm Springs or did they leave her there? (laughs) Did she drive herself? Did they just leave her in that house in Palm Springs with that, with that dummy that she did the eyebrows on? Where's Charlie? Where is Charlie? There's a point where uh, Lala and Raquel play pickleball together and they have to bet about uh, Raquel doing a speech in public for dinner later that day. And she even adds like, oh, Raquel, in this speech, thanking us for the engagement or whatever, you have to say that you got so wet during the proposal. Or if I lose, then I'll say that I got wet during the proposal. And it's like, girl, 
<laughs> I'm so sick of her. I'm I'm really, really sick of her. I'm over Lauren. I just I I don't want Lala. Don't give me Lala. I'll pass. 86 the Lala, please. Um which brings me to my final point. Obviously the biggest thing was pretty shocking in which um the boys have a boys day welcome to America even though you've lived here for 5 years, Brock. Um, here are some McDonald's fries because they also absolutely have McDonald's in Australia. But anyway, um, party, man, testosterone party or whatever. Um, and then the women went over to Lisa's. So it was Lisa, Lala, Sheena, Ariana, Raquel. Raquel was there, I think. And they're having like themselves a little tea party. Katie, Katie was there. Um, it's revealed, you know, Lala has been having this situation with Brock and her desire or her need to quote unquote protect Sheena from Brock, despite the fact that they've been in this relationship for multiple years now and you weren't friends with her, but now all of a sudden you care, right? Because there's a baby involved. She's, she keeps using Sheena's baby as a reason to why she's concerned because she's a mom now. She's the first person to have ever had a child. Um, So she's concerned about Brock being away from his kids for four years. Fair. We all are, right? Um, Apparently, she has a conversation with Brock both on and off camera where Brock approaches Lala and says, Hey, I know you've been... Uh, saying some things, sharing your concerns about me being away from my kids for four years, but I need you to know that this is not what I want. He starts getting emotional at some point. He says, I work really hard to, you know, make that change. And the baby mom just shut me out, right? Tales old as time. Do I believe it? Not really. (laughs) And then we find out at this tea party that later after the fact, Brock had a conversation with both Lala and Randall off camera in which he admitted some other things as to reasons as to why he doesn't have um, contact with his children. Those reasons being one that he and his ex-wife got into some sort of domestic violence issue with one another, that it did get physical and also that Brock owes child support. Not great things never going to be on his side for either of those things. They are unequivocally shitty. But the way that Lala brings it up just seems wildly unfair to both Brock, who said this to her in confidence, which if we're going to have that conversation, he should not have. That was very dumb. I don't know why he thought that he was going to be safe with Lala on that, especially when she told you that she didn't really trust you. Why why he thought that that was something he should have done is beyond me, but that's his business. Um, I just thought it was wildly unfair of Lala to be like, to bring this up about how concerned she is and for her to, she made, she put the onus on outing Brock on Sheena when Sheena did not know what, Lala was going to say. And I thought that was really shitty and not being a good friend to Sheena at all. If you guys don't watch 
any of the season, I would encourage you guys to watch the last 20 minutes of this episode because you could tell that clearly (laughs) everybody at that tea party was just like, oh my God, I cannot believe she said that on camera. Can we please talk about anything else? I cannot believe she, I mean, just the silence was so deafening of the, oh, she said that and we're all mic'd up. Oh no. Oh no. I really felt really sad for Sheena because, you know, and I hope nobody thinks that I'm trying to conflate this with protecting abusers at at all. Like it's, I'm not, I just think that it was just so out of nowhere. It was so like, what was your end game? It's, I I just thought it was really like an opportunistic thing on Lala's behalf. And that doesn't make the situation any better. Like it only makes it worse. And it's just, it was just a shitty thing to do. Brock was not there to defend himself. He was not there to say his piece He told you that in confidence, and again, it's not like he needed to be protected, but there is a very different thing when you say something on television, and you just let that out there, and you don't give the person who it happened to, and who was there, the opportunity to say what the truth is, you know? So, I really mostly felt for Sheena, an inch of me felt for Brock, Because he clearly was very shocked. Sheena, like, they have this whole conversation and Sheena's, like, trying her hardest to keep it together. And then she texts Brock. Brock is over there at the boys at Schwartz's house. He finds out. And it just felt very, like, breaking the fourth wall to see his reaction. To see Sheena, the text of being like, why the fuck would you tell Lala that? Now she just told us all and, like, she just caught me off guard. Um, yeah, it just, it was, ooh, it was one of the most uncomfortable parts of TV that I've watched in quite some time. And also like, Lala, if this is really all it comes down to is summer, if it's all about the baby and you're concerned for the baby, why would you say that about her father on television? You know, that's not protecting her. That doesn't help. <laughs> it doesn't help her at all. It definitely doesn't help. His other children, who, like, I don't know their identities, but I'm sure a lot of people back in Australia are very aware that Brock is their dad, you know? And that's not helpful to them either. I just just thought that was super gross and, like, I don't even know how you come back from that. I I just thought it was really gross on her part. Um, Brock obviously loses it. He starts getting emotional. He gets emotional about... Like, I've not even met Lisa yet, and you're saying this shit, and, like, now she's going to have an opinion of me, and, you know, how am I going to get myself, you know? Like, (laughs) obviously, you're not meeting somebody on fair footing if they think that you're an abuser and a shitty parent and, uh, you know, (laughs) just like a shitty dad, you know? Um, Yeah, I just, I I really just feel for Sheena. I feel for, uh, for Summer. I feel for Brock's children. This is just really unfair and and not at all something that Lala should have brought up. Um, At one point, Brock, you know, all the guys get upset. At one point, Brock mentions uh, Lala sucking dick for a Range Rover. Not really sure what that had to do with anything, but 
you know, I could understand his anger. <laughs> I could, I could get that. Um, but yeah, I guess that's about it. Well, I mean, I would encourage you guys to watch the season. It's not what it used to be. Vanderpump is not, Vanderpump Rules is not what it looked like. But it's something different. And I think that something different is still pretty good and worth checking out. So anyway, let's move on to Beverly Hills. When there's a case of actual victims that you're seeing, that's the thing that got people very upset. Understood. However. All right. So part three of Real Housewives of Beverly Hills reunion was like, fine. It was fine. Nothing new. Same old shit. Same old fucking shit. (laughs) Like, I just, I can't with these women. Like, I, it was just like, whatever for me. The crystal part obviously was compelling and interesting. We'll get into that. But, you know, Erica, more of the same. I, I don't even want to be like, we're at the point where you either believe Erica or you don't, or you're on your side or you're not. And there's really no convincing one side to change the other I think to a certain degree that's true but it's also like uh, I don't know she I to me she didn't reveal anything new but let's get into it we start off with the episode Kathy and Kyle are still crying on the couch Kyle says that American woman was supposed to be a love letter to their mom and she never wanted to hurt Kathy or anybody by the show and Andy asks what is it? Who is it that brought you to Kathy and Kyle together again? Finally, after all those years, <laughs> Kathy says me, Kyle says that it was really the kids that their children are all so close with one another. And every holiday it would be, you know, they would complain and they would say, you know, I want to be at Aunt Kathy's. I want to have this food. I want us to all be together. And, you know, she just wanted to have her kids be happy or whatever. Um, that was about it. I mean, (laughs) I did crack up at asking, Andy asking if Kyle was jealous that, uh, Kathy got the favorite Richard poll. She won the favorite Richard poll on, uh, Watch What Happens Live. (laughs) Like, like, sir, this is not the Emmys. It's, it's a, a live poll that happened on like a Tuesday afternoon, like on Tuesday evening. Like, calm down, sir. Um, So then Crystal's package is next and Andy asks her how she came to work in an escort service. Her answer, maybe because I wasn't paying as much attention was sort of vague to me, but she said that she worked for an advertising agency and that agency was the agency that the escorts work through. So to me, it sounded less like she's dispatching and, you know, joining people together more so that she was working on the advertising end of things, but whatever. She was also asked to be a madam. That would have been fun. Um, Andy then gets to the ugly leather pants section and he asks the women by a show of hands, which of you would wear those pants? <laughs> of course, Dorit, Rena, Kyle. Kyle said she thinks that she has them. They all raised their hands. Um, then we get back to Doorgate, the situation that happened with Sutton and Crystal and the violation. Andy asks if Crystal, or I think it was maybe a viewer question, like in hindsight, does she feel like she, like, does she, would she have thought differently about her approach or would she have approached the situation differently had she seen how Sutton entered into the room? 
And Crystal's just like, no, you know, <laughs> like, like she said what I assumed, which is that it wasn't that isolated incident. It was the combination of all the interactions she had had with Sutton leading up to that, especially when the night before she or earlier that night, they had had that conversation about race and and not seeing color and how she gets uh, bullied as a Southern woman and a woman with a Southern accent and all of that. And that's what I thought. I thought it was probably just all of that. They weren't fucking with each other. She was feeling some type of way about Sutton as she had every right to feel. And then she comes into a room when she's naked and then says like, Oh, like, you know, it just, it hit different. It just hit different. And I, I get that. I appreciate that even now she does not back, back down on it. She states her feelings. She does say if we had made up Sutton and I, Prior to that, I probably would not have been the same reaction. And she says, you know, I can't change the way I felt, but that's how I felt. I wish we had started off on the right foot because if we had, that never would have happened. Sutton is still stuck on the word violate and says that it was still strong and that it inferred that she was doing something directly to Crystal to hurt her. And then Andy asks if Crystal's body image issues may have played into her feeling violated. And Crystal says, without a doubt, yes. And it was also really disheartening to have everybody, like all the women, try to police how she felt in that moment. And that's why she decided to share that she, uh, you know, had suffered with bulimia at that point. So then Andy asks, or he says, you know, it's interesting that Crystal, you got upset with Sutton for saying that she didn't see color, but then your friend Kathy later said that she didn't seem color, and Crystal says, well, those situations were extremely different. And then Andy asks Crystal why she thinks that her father never spoke to her about race. So remember, she told that story about how when she was younger, her dad was stopped at a gas station near their house, and somebody was... Uh, you know, racist towards them and how her father just drove off. He didn't say anything to Crystal about it. And so Andy asks her why she thinks that he didn't say anything. And she says, listen, he was like a proud man. He was an immigrant. He was, uh, you know, a type of guy who thought that you assimilate and yet you follow the American way. And she makes sure to say that that's not an unusual thing. It's not an unusual story. And then Andy transitions into all of the hate that Crystal has been getting from social media um, in response to her being on the show. Crystal says that even to this day, even at the time of recording the reunion, she still gets hundreds of hate messages in her DMs a day. Bitch, that's disgusting. Like, what is wrong with people? What is, like, I don't, what is the point? You're you're taking time out of your life and your day to hate on somebody because they look different from you, because they're Asian, because, like, do you see, do you not see how dumb that sounds? <laughs> Grow up. I mean, I know that, like, you listening to this don't need to hear this lesson. I hope. But, like, my God, like, I'm just, every now and again, it just really hits me, like, it's such a waste of time to be racist. Like, among other things, it's just so stupid. Like, 
listen to what you're doing. Listen to how you're spending your time and your life, the life that you only have one of, being hateful of other people. What a waste. Why don't you just get a podcast and talk about how people are really stupid and it has nothing to do with their race or their background, you know, like I do. That's really spending good, good quality time with your life. Find, find a real reason to hate somebody, not because of how they look, you know? Like, occasionally, I will spend my time letting the hate in my heart about the fact that Kendall is not a good model out. And that's a much better usage of everyone's time and efforts than being racist. So, talk about some real shit, you know? Anyway, applauding Crystal from the toppest seat of the auditorium for saying that she wanted to be on the show that she thought it was an incredible opportunity in terms of Asian representation and that she went into it thinking she was going to be well received. And she kind of like makes light of it. She's like, it's kind of been hell afterwards, but you know, it's been worth it. And I appreciate her for getting out there. I appreciate her for taking that. I, it cannot be easy It cannot be easy to be a first-time anything, a first-time housewife, just on its face, this being your first season and you're understanding how people react to you. And then they find this other arbitrary, stupid thing to be hateful about you just compounds the whole situation. I I really applaud her for, for having even a semblance of an idea of how mean people would be and deciding to do that anyway in the sake of like having people who look like her see themselves represented on television I I appreciate that and it sounds like kind of silly in a way but it's not you know it sounds kind of silly because it's just like not I mean not just the housewife but those representation matters you know you know that hashtag exists for a reason anyway um the thing that I thought was odd well before I get to that Sutton did say she was sorry and that she was sorry if she played into any of the hate that Crystal received. And I thought that was nice of her to say because it it was good of her to have the understanding of like, I understand that as a white woman, I got into it with this Asian women woman and there were probably a slew of people, racist people who took up for me and went into Crystal's DMs and were purely mean to her because of that. And I'm sorry because she, I think she had an understanding that that happens. Even it's not directly her fault. There's still a responsibility. And I appreciated that she apologized. Um, The thing that I thought was weird is that Andy then made the other ladies go around and say what they enjoyed about Crystal being on the show. Kyle's like, well, I really like the dumplings. And it was like, (laughs) like, I'm trying to imagine being in a space of all white women and somebody being like, hey, guys, (laughs) um, we have a black here. Please tell her like why we appreciate her. And it's like, uh, I don't this is not. Uh, no, thank you. No, thank you. <laughs> Let's just move on. There was a whole segment about, like, the fashion and the glam of it all. And it's like, who cares? Dorit did answer the question or the blind item that uh, 
had been going around about her. Well, I mean, she didn't directly address it, but she indirectly addressed it. There was a blind item about Dorit or the a blind item that people largely assumed was Dorit about a West coast housewife who had a really bad habit of, um, quote unquote, buying expensive designer uh, clothes and then returning them after she wore them on TV. So she says, she buys every piece. She doesn't get a discount. She buys them retail. Um, Andy did say, like, I'm kind of surprised that you guys don't get discounts now because you're on TV. <laughs> and all the women were like, nah, not really. <laughs> and, and then Dorit said, well, some uh, designers will do that. But she was like, I just want the freedom to be able to wear what I want. Meaning they'll say it, but like they'll maybe style it the way she doesn't want or something like that. So that part was interesting, but that was it. (laughs) So then we get to Kathy's clip package. And I just love that at the end, she clapped for herself. Like, you know, (laughs) she just, she really just cracks me up. Um, Kathy starts talking about, you know, how the little eccentricities, the I'm going to have a gorilla, the who is hunky dory of it all are really more of her channeling Big Kathy. Those were the kind of things that they did and the sorts of, uh, you know, inner workings of the family that, you know, every family has that weird stuff. You have words for things, languages, something that's weird. And it when you see it on television, it's like, oh, OK, but we, we all have that thing, right? Kathy goes on to say that the fan, her affinity for a box fan really comes from big Kathy as well. And that when they were younger, they would all cuddle up in bed together. Kathy would have her, it seemed like she had like a tower fan. Those ones that like oscillate (laughs) back and forth and that she would put it at the end of the bed and they would go to sleep that way with the sound of the fan going Lisa Rinna get off my tv (laughs) i can't stand her she when kyle was talking about this was acting like she had never heard of somebody sleeping with a fan on at the end of their bed she was like so it would just blow on you at night what oh you're kidding me like what (laughs) girl anyway um that was about it um they talk about how i mean i think most people knew this that that they had really nothing to do with the the hilton hotel chain that they sold out like 10 years ago rick never really had anything to do with it prior to that um yeah that was about it um so then they cut to commercial when they get back they do that kind of oh the girls are getting they're still getting their glam some of them are on their phones like andy's talking to such and such whichever housewife uh, uh quote unquote off camera um you know b- behind the scenes thing and so when they're doing that like most of the women are getting their makeup done erica who's sitting next to andy she's clicking on her phone and she turns to him and she says i'd like it if you didn't go hard on me and this was the point where it, we've seen on the trailer a million times like you know we're gonna put you on a skewer and fire it up or whatever the fuck he says and so they do the package about Erica and the lawsuits, the scamming, the burn victims, the widows, the children, just all of that. And after the package, Andy mentions that Erica saying 
at one point during the season that she'll remember who was for her and who was against her. And she very breezily is like, oh, yeah, I'm keeping score. Yeah. And so Andy says, what's the score so far? And Erica says, well, I think I'm going to keep that to myself. And then Kyle says, well, can I say something? Because I've just been reading stories and tabloid gossip about Erica being upset with me. And I just hope that Erica knows that we're all in a difficult position. And, you know, there are many things that you knew, but there are a lot of things that you didn't say. And you could have said those things and it would have helped us understand a little bit more. And so Erica says that the thing that hurt her the most out of all the whole season was PK's comedy hour. Okay. Where he, you know, says do the fucking ankle and everybody giggles. John Turturro just like exploded into laughter and tears and everybody. I mean, this is truly the funniest moment in all of Beverly Hills housewives history. (laughs) That was the part that hurt Erica the most. So Erica says, I watched the four of you, Kyle, Mauricio, PK, and Dorit, mock my life and mock my family. And that really hurt me, especially after BK, PK had been so kind to me. Kyle says that she felt really bad about that night and that like PK and Mauricio have their own opinion and they're like brothers. So I guess that means that they were like going to, you know, be silly and talk shit about Erica. And that... Mauricio has been saying all along that he believes Erica and Erica is like, excuse me, the, 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 (laughs) sorry, the camera cuts to Garcelle after Kyle's like, you know, it's fine. Like, I'm so sorry. We're so sorry. Mauricio's believe you all along. Like Garcelle's looking at her like, girl, nodding her head, like, give it up. Like, this is so pathetic. You don't have to do all of this, Kyle. Dorit tries to excuse herself from that narrative of laughing because she's saying that that was the first night that she had heard about Erica's son flipping his car. So when she was trying to tell the story, she was getting kind of confused. And then she says, you know, the more I'm telling this story, the more preposterous it sounds. And that's just like why we were laughing. So then Erica tries to pretend like she's going to be honest and says, well, I'm here to answer any questions you have, Um, you know, like whatever you need, whatever it is that you have to ask, I'm here. So Garcelle's like, okay, me first. Thank you. Um, I just want to know why you didn't understand that we would all be concerned about us being looped in on a story like yours. That would be my first question. So Erica says, Well, there's nothing there. There's nothing here that legally ties you guys to all of me other than being mentioned in articles, which to me is like, yeah, well, that should be enough. Like, I don't want to be in my Google search history tied to your ass for the rest of time. Okay, that's enough. (laughs) So um, then Lisa says, well, you know, the, the public projects that onto us and erica says well yeah they do they do project that onto you but you guys shouldn't be fearful of that because you know the truth so sutton speaks up and says you know after reading that la times article ad nauseum i got really upset and i wanted everybody in the group to know what was going to be happening and erica says but i'm the source you could have picked up the phone and come to me because i've been straight up with everyone which you have not girl no you haven't the Sutton says Erica you left the trip early and 
kind of refers to like you left a trip the day before that LA Times article dropped. It wasn't a good look. It really seemed like you knew what was about to come happen and you left all of us. So that's why I wasn't really feeling all that comfortable in reaching out to you and you being the source for the truth. So Erica says that she had no heads up on the article. She calls it a hit piece and that she left early because of the argument that she'd gotten into with Garcelle. I find it very hard to believe that Erica had zero idea about that LA Times article. If they did not reach out to her directly, I'm sure they reached out to a bunch of people who knew her, a bunch of people who would have reached back out to her and said, uh, hey girl, the LA Times reached out to me about uh, fact-checking or something. I, I find it damn near impossible. Especially when she lives in LA. Like, maybe it would make more sense if this was a New York Times article and they just didn't have contacts. But at the LA Times, you don't think that they didn't have a plethora of contacts, sources, what have you, that would have told her and given Erica just a little bit of a heads up as to something coming out? I find that very hard to believe. Then Erica says, I'm not going to run away because of a vicious LA Times article. Because there are many, many, many more vicious articles that came out after that. But you did leave because of Garcelle. <laughs> when you made up with her before you left. You had to leave a whole day earlier after you made up with the girl? Mm, no. Something in the milk ain't clean. So then Kathy turns to Andy and basically asks in so many words, like, surely there have been other housewives and other franchises that have gotten into legal trouble before. And Andy says, yeah, but the difference is that there were actual victims in this case, whereas with somebody like Teresa, she defrauded the IRS for not paying her taxes. But with Erica, there are actual people and victims. And that's what got everybody upset. Then Erica says, understood. However, <laughs> understand this. We're a very long way from finding out what really happened. I love my husband. And I thought, great. Now he's allegedly defrauding widows, orphans, and burn victims. How the fuck do you think I feel? And Andy says, well, how do you feel? And Erica says, I feel horrible. And I've said that. And everybody kind of pops up. Even Lisa, even Dorit, even Kyle. We're like, mm, you actually haven't said that before. <laughs> and Crystal says, why are you not saying it to the victims? And Sutton looks at her like, yeah, exactly. So after Erica says, I've said that I feel bad. And everybody was like, no, you haven't. Erica says, well, I understand that, <laughs> but you have to understand that there's a real boundary as to where I can and cannot go. Um, however, if anyone in these cases has been proved wrong, proven wrong, I want them remedied. Despite what you read, I've done everything that they have asked. So like you're moving the goalpost. She really thought that she was going to get away with saying that she has said that she is on camera or in public said that she feels for the victims <laughs> like when even Dorit and Lisa really Rinna like Kyle and Dorit will give it up every once in a while every blue moon but Kyle or excuse me Lisa when Lisa has to say something that's when you know you're wrong girl 
in your case. It just in this case. So then Andy says, that's not the issue. It's not the issue of you doing what people have asked of you. It's not the issue of you having boundaries. It's the way people perceive it is that you come off like you think you're the victim. And so Erica says, I have never said I was a victim. I'm not a victim. And Sutton says, well, it looks like you are one. And Erica says, are you fucking kidding me? My life is upside down. How can I not be broken? Sutton says, I understand that, but I'm telling you how you come across. Now, this is where I'm confusion. Erica, at this point, at the time of uh, this reunion filming, has had plenty of time to see what people think. We know she's seen it because she's constantly trolling the trolls, as she puts it. She's got the advice of her legal counsel. And I think I said this last week or two weeks ago. And this is what we're getting. And it's muddled. It's not making... To me, it's not helping. It's not changing my needle at all. And I'd be curious if anybody could reach out to me and say... You can even do it like through email. You can email me at everyonesbusinessbutmine at gmail.com. Or you can DM me on Instagram at everyonesbusinessbutmine. Let me know if you... If this changed your mind in Erica's favor. If this reunion, not just this episode, any part of this reunion has moved the needle more into Erica's favor with you. With regard to how Erica has been addressing this whole thing. Let me know cuz I, you know, open my mind, enlighten me. Andy goes back to Erica and how she reacted and she cuts him off and is like, "Well, what should I have said?" And then she turns to the other women and asks them, do you guys have any other suggestions? Andy says, I'm just saying it just doesn't seem to be landing with the group or with the viewers that that's where you're coming from. So Erica, again, says that there's a limited way in which she can express herself because, you know, and everybody knows that. And she knows that everything that she says is going to be picked apart on the show. And that's why you see her answering questions in certain ways bad bad ways bad ways that are not helping you <laughs> if the issue if she was answering things in ways that were transparent that like i can't talk about this i think a lot of people would be more on her side but you're trying to rewrite history and say that like all the bullshit that you've been saying that's been getting you in trouble is actually you having to silence yourself in a certain way because of laws. And it's, we, we're already past that girl. <laughs> you already fucked up. So you can't say all those times you fucked up on the show. We're actually you trying to protect yourself. It's too late. Cause you've already come off as like incredibly disingenuous. So then Andy says, there's been speculation, Erica, that you've been advised by your lawyers not to speak about the victims. And Erica says, it's best in any of these situations to be quiet. I chose to say as much as I possibly could, and I still may have fucked myself over, all right? <laughs> I mean, you have, but not in the way that you're talking about it. So then Andy says, I'm just surprised that you're surprised at the viewers. Thank you. And Erica says she's not surprised. But who she is surprised at is the women. Because... You know, they were sitting there, they knew the story, and there's no reason that any of the women think should think that she was holding anything from them. And again, 
It's like, you're trying to rewrite history, girl. It's too late. There was plenty of reasons. Because you're saying, Tommy took a tumble here when we previously didn't find that. Things that you said as gospel truth are now alleged. You're adding things to the story after the fact. They're one fact more bombastic than the other. Uh, Yeah. There's definitely a reason to think that you're holding... Because you slowly hold off on information for when it's convenient for people to feel bad for you. You're literally had been holding things from them. You literally held off the fact that he, uh, Tommy took a tumble five years ago and that you found him 12 hours later unconscious in the car or outside of the car. Or it, that was information that you held for years. <laughs> you know, you did that. <laughs> irrefutably girl i i can't i'm so i'm so done with this season I, I, i'm so done so kyle raises her in and asks if she can say anything and she says erica you're not doing any favors with instagram like full stop erica says my instagram's always been like that and i'm not gonna leave social media and you know it's kyle's like it's not about you're deleting your social media it's about changing the tone you know, it's about, like, not telling people to eat your pussy. You know? Things like that. And not telling people to eat... You tell people to eat your pussy, but, like, not tell them that in regard to them being upset with you having $25 million funneled into your LLC. You know? Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. So then Andy says, you know, you give off the air of consumption and Erica's like, what do you mean? <laughs> I don't know, Miss Expensive to be me. What do you think he means? <laughs> so Andy, plain as day, says, well, the Erica Jane character is built on consumption. And that's how it comes off on social media. And Erica's like, well, I'm getting paid to post. Erica, Erica, Erica says that Erica Jane is getting paid to post. So what is she supposed to do? Not pay her bills? Andy says, well, it just lands differently when there are air crash victims. And it's like, Andy, that was a little, that pun was not necessary. Okay. It, it, what, we got it. We got it. Um, so Garcelle says, you have to shift a little bit. And Erica says, I don't do, I don't have to do anything but defend myself. So Andy asks Lisa, thank you. This was the moment. Thank you. Thank you, Andy. I mean, this was not the moment, but like, I just appreciated that he understood that Lisa has been the one 
out of all of them who's been like steadfastly and unabashedly supportive of her. So like, thank you for getting her into the mix because her ass, those lips would have been shut had, had Andy not called upon her. So he asked uh, Lisa what she thinks about the whole situation. And she's like, listen, I understand that Erica's acting out and doing what she's doing, but I don't think it's helpful and it's feeding the fire. So then Andy says that the main question is what did Erica know? And he he turns to her and says, did you have any sense that anything was happening? Erica says, I did not work for Girardi Keys. All the financials are kept there. Andy says, so the answer is no. And Erica says, there's your answer. So then Andy asks a viewer question of which of the women think that Erica knew what Tom was up to. And they all said they don't think that Erica really knew everything. And Garcelle says, I don't think Tom shared everything with Erica, but I think that Erica was living such an amazing life that maybe there were just things that she didn't want to know. (laughs) But Crystal says that she has a question because it's been bothering her. And then she says, if Rob did this to me, I guess I'm just wondering, like, where is your anger towards Tom? Erica says, where do you think it is? You think I don't have any because you haven't seen it or because I haven't shown enough fucking anger here today? What do you want me to do? And Crystal says, well, I just thought back on it and I just thought I would just be so livid. And Erica cuts her off and says, I sat here today and I said, I wondered who I was married to for 20 years. Did you forget me saying that? I'm very angry. Hear it in my voice. All right. Lisa says some bullshit about how like timing and you know, not everybody's going to do what you want to do when you want them to do it and whatever, blah, blah, blah. And Erica says, well, like you also don't know what I have done or what I will do. (laughs) And Andy says, what are you, what will you do? And Erica says, well, you'll just have to wait and see, won't you? (laughs) What are you going to do, girl? (laughs) Anyway, So Andy asks if Erica like knew about Tom being in financial straits. And then she says, y'all, and I'm so glad we all saw this. She says, I forget how much we, I mean, the firm made year after year. It was a lot of money. (laughs) But you just said you didn't work for Girardi Keys, but now it's we, huh? Suddenly it's we. Uh, I mean, uh, uh, them. (laughs) We, uh, me, uh, oops, uh, shit. Tom, 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 Tom's eye busted open again, please. Anybody? Does anybody believe me? No? Okay. So Andy asks again if Erica knew that Tom was in any sort of financial disrepair over the years leading up to this. And Erica says, you know, I was being sued as a named defendant while, you know, at a lending institution in Arizona back in 2019. So we get a flashback to whatever season that was of the reunion and Andy asks her about it. And Erica says, well, um, how about this? It was resolved and they apologize. So we get back to now current day. And Erica says that after that in 2019, she confronted Tom and asked him what it was, why she was involved. And Tom said that it was bullshit and not to worry about it. And that was it. And everything was like that. He would shut her out of everything. And then she turns to Crystal and says, am I angry now enough for you? (laughs) Girl, if you don't go sit down. (laughs) I would just laugh. Like, how do these women, women, 
stop themselves from just laughing in her face when she issues these idle threats of like i'm gonna know who's with me like keeping score get out of here girl like this is not annie get your gun okay this is beverly hills you're not you're not doing anything okay not a thing anyway let's move on to winter house hey hey how are you (laughs) i'm fine are you so i'm not why are you not fine because you dropped a bomb on me you straight up told me that you were in love with me. And I was like, I, I love you too. And you're like, no, 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 no. I don't, I don't just love you. I, I'm in love with you. And I didn't know that. Linz, I love you. Like a sister. So it just works so much better, you know, this way. I don't want this to be up because we are too close. the hell's going on every time i sit down to record something else happens in the real housewives of beverly hills universe so let's start off with this morning or last night rather this morning it came out that dorit was the victim of a home invasion and apparently at 10 50 last night um three men came into her bedroom they threatened to kill her and they stole a bunch of shit so they broke into through a window or a glass door rather busted through that house and were they went to her room dorit was begging for her life saying i have kids i'm a mother please don't kill me she let them have what they needed they were in there for 20 minutes and took at least a hundred thousand dollars worth of stuff this is wild pk wasn't there he is i guess on his way back to la as i'm speaking now uh he was in london and i just can't imagine how scary to like what could have happened you know i I mean (laughs) my feelings about dorit this season alone i mean this is wild that's so scary it's so terrifying we all want to know was teddy's husband the uh security person in charge for this home we're all very curious this is also not the first time that dorit and pk have had a break-in um they were part of a whole sting of like some weird variation of the bling ring where this one guy was stealing from a bunch of people like i think orlando bloom and just you know other actual celebrities but that's neither here nor there that's so scary I, I truly can't imagine, especially when your kids are in the house and, and your husband's not there. I, scary. The Real Housewives of Beverly Hills was supposed to start filming today for season, what, is it 12? 13? Um, they were supposed to start filming today. So it's just been a whole thing. And uh, apparently uh, some of the housewives showed up to the house to go console her. Erica was there. Lisa's there. Uh, Teddy some housewives and Teddy were there and yeah, I just, I, it's so scary. And then you guys, if this could not get wild enough, TMZ just drops a story about how Yolanda Hadid got into some sort of physical altercation with Zane. What the hell? So apparently last week, um, 
I don't know. I'm trying to look up the details of it, of it as I'm speaking right now, but okay. I'm, I'm talking too much. Let me pause. Okay, I'm back. So what I'm able to cobble together is that they were, the whole family was out in Pennsylvania. Yolanda has this like beautiful farm that they have, I don't know, I guess it's like their East Coast compound or whatever. So apparently this happened at that ranch and Yolanda, like I said, this happened last week. So Yolanda, news to me, Zane got on Twitter uh, just as I'm talking now an hour ago, did an iOS notes uh, PR report and says, as you all know, I'm a private person and I very much want to create a safe and private space for my daughter to grow up in a place where private family matters aren't thrown on the world stage for all to poke and pick apart. In an effort to protect that space for her, I agreed not to contest claims arising from an argument I had with a family member of my partner's who entered our home while my partner was away several weeks ago. This was and should still be a private matter, but it seems for now there is divisiveness, and despite my efforts to restore us to a peaceful family environment that will allow for me to co-parent my daughter in a manner in which she deserves, this has been, quote-unquote, leaked to the press." I'm hopeful, though, for healing for all involved with the harsh words shared. And more importantly, I remain vigilant to protect Kai and give her the privacy that she deserves. This is like major because, first of all, I don't know much about One Direction, but I do know that Zayn is on some Beyonce shit, which is where like he doesn't really talk to y'all, you know? (laughs) So for this, for him to issue this statement... I don't know. It's it's wild. So now I'm looking through. Yeah. Okay. So apparently there was some sort of like Yolanda releasing pictures of the baby. He got upset and this is what started the altercation. Apparently they've had some sort of long time beef with one another. And I think it's very interesting that he said that he agreed to not contest claims that arose from the argument, but would prefer that it be private. So he's basically saying, I did put hands on her. I agreed to be honest about that, but I also thought that this would be under the condition that it didn't come out publicly. Yo, that's wild. That is wild. And shout out to you, Laura, who (laughs) just uh, commented on my Instagram. I could not agree with you more. Um, You just said that... Uh, sorry, uh, Yolanda's all about image and projecting family harmony. So it must've been dark for her to make this public. And I fully agree. The fact that like, yes, she's very much interested in looking like a happy family. We see pictures of, or I just saw a video and pictures of them hanging out in New York together, just like a week or two ago, Gigi, Zane and Yolanda. And yeah, it just seems like we all know that Yolanda does not really like to, She's not going to be out here in these streets having messy drama with her kids. That's for sure. Um, So this is very shocking. It's shocking to me, like, what happened between the time of the altercation and now? And by the way, um, it came out, like, it's been stated in the several articles that I've read about this, that um, Yolanda is actively um, considering filing charges against him. So, like, what happened between now and that altercation? Or what? Yeah. What happened? Like, what was the straw that broke the camel's back that she was like, no, I'm not actually going to keep this private. Like, 
fuck you, you know? Damn. And that's like her granddaughter's dad. And also I'm kind of wondering like why he, I don't know, maybe the phrase co-parent is, is tripping me up because that seems like maybe they're not together and they're choosing to have some sort of, you know, rich people conscious uncoupling shit. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I, I don't know. (laughs) I don't know. This is wild. What a day. What the hell's going on y'all? What the hell's going on? I don't mean to make light of this. I'm just, I'm like genuinely shocked that like, why the hell would he put his, like, what the hell happened? That he put his hands on her? Hit her? Jesus. I'm just taking it all in. And <laughs> just, wow. I mean, I was going to talk about Winterhouse and I still am because I really, really like this episode. And I'm like bummed out this is my transition into winter house i'm like bummed out that it's only six episodes because i think they could have gotten two to four more i don't know Ooh. I, i'm really liking it and it's filling a void for me Ooh, okay let's have a quick <sighs> deep exhale and let's get into winter house okay so we start off the episode uh Paige and sierra are still doing booty soup in the hot tub ass up making out with andrea and austin respectively um then they run upstairs and austin and and andrea are like fist bumping each other oh job well done my god what a a, a great time to be a, a white guy okay um so outside like upstairs and outside because there's like a balcony situation luke and Gabby, Doja Cat start bonding over being outdoorsy and hunting. And Doja Cat says that she really likes a guy that can get his hands dirty. And Luke is that man. She is so horny for this dude. She's talking about running shoeless in the snow, learning to sew for him. She wants to go full Little House on the Prairie for her boy. Baby. You might need to, <laughs> you might need to be shipped off the planet her. This isn't going to work for you, but more on that later. Um, meanwhile, Amanda is asking Jason, who also has a crush on Gabby, who he's most interested in the house. And he says, Gabby. Um, so this is not going to go well. It's not going to go well. Um, Kyle and Amanda have this thing I guess where they're not really trying to have sex in the house Kyle's trying to get it in Amanda not so much she says you know I don't want to have sex in such close quarters with everybody else and I just kind of feel like we've had a a long and storied history with Kyle and you know I've seen enough evidence to know that Kyle doesn't really last longer than a commercial break so you might as well just do it people probably won't even notice you know Anyway, everybody goes to the bed in the morning. Amanda's helping herself to a bottle of soda. <laughs> and Kyle was fielding a bunch of business calls. He says that he never takes a break from business when he's on vacation because he's always thinking about how he can take lover boy to the next level. So this is why he needs to spend his nights getting drunk, touching his penis um, in public and uh, slurring his words and, and just falling asleep with a pile of tostito chips on his chest okay um he says that he doesn't have a drinking problem that he has a problem turning off from business sure um so jason doja cat somebody else are in the kitchen jason like i said this is the morning helps himself to a bowl of chicken noodle soup and he says that he could eat soup 
for every meal? No. Immediately, no. Meanwhile, Luke walks in, shirtless, abbed out, and immediately gets out a whole thing of a thick cut, just high quality bacon to bake it for everybody in the house. Now, if I'm looking at my options, I'm sitting here, Doja Cat, looking at my options. I'm seeing a guy who's eating a bowl of soup at 10 o'clock in the morning or the dude who's making breakfast for the whole house with the shirt off like he should be. You know, this is where a man belongs in a kitchen with no shirt on. Um, you know, the, the, the choice is clear. <laughs> the choice is clear to me. After that, we see some girl talk with Paige and Sierra and Julia there. Paige is gushing about the conversation she had with Andrea the night before and how she feels like she really got to another layer with him. Julia is like, cool chick. That's really great, Paige. I'm so happy for you, girl. But in a confessional, she's like, listen, I've known Andrea for a long time. I've seen him through all the chicks that he bangs and does not commit in relationships with and I'm just going to keep my eye on him because I know that Andrea knows how to get what he wants and hopefully he doesn't break Paige's heart because I will be killing him. Thank you. I'll be placing some vintage uh, limited to scarf around his neck and, and it'll be lights out for you, sir. Meanwhile, Andrea goes into Austin's room and Austin's like, Andy, bro, bro, what happened last night? Last night was a movie, bro. <laughs> He didn't say that, but he would have. In a confessional, Andrea says that hooking up next to his friends is just old hat for him. He's done it with all sorts of chicks, American girls, German girls, some Italian, some Czechoslovakian, others in Latvia, some in South America, whatever. Bros alike hook up with chicks. He has no problem with that. What this has to do with anything, I'm not sure, but okay. At that moment... Um, Sierra is talking about how she really appreciates Austin's sense of humor and how it's just like really important that you find a guy that you can laugh with, you know? And she, in this moment, Paige brings up the fact that like, Hey, Lindsay, hub, hub house is coming, you know? And I know that she and Austin have like a deep friendship or whatever, some kind of weird past. So Sierra says, yeah, she's a little bit concerned about how Lindsay's going to be in the house. (laughs) <laughs> and we get just the best montage so many times we get montages on on bravo and like 80 percent of the time they're entertaining 20 percent of the time they're in this upper echelon of just greatness and it's just like a hall of fame a best of all the hits it's like going to your favorite musical artist concert and they're just playing bangers just banger after banger. And this is what happens when we get this montage of Lindsay being activated over the last several years in the summer house. She's going off on Everett about how she's going to fuck somebody else that night um, at some quiet restaurant, probably Topping Rose. She is um, going off on uh, the group for coming at her. She's going off on uh, who's that tiny man that she dated last season saying, why don't you make enough sandwiches for me. And I sat just, just cuddled up, just, just warm in just a warm embrace of Lindsay's rage. I loved it. I loved every moment of it. So Craig goes into the boys room with Andrea and Austin with a 
red solo cup full of orange Gatorade. And he's like, dude, uh, Lindsay's still in love with you. So Craig straight up says that he thinks that Lindsay has a crush on Austin and it's going to be a problem once she finds out that he's been hooking up with Sierra. But Austin's like, no, I think she's actually going to be really cool with it. I think she's going to be like, tell me everything and we're going to be great. (laughs) Austin, what the hell? What? You don't think that. You do not think that. Austin is not this stupid. I know he's not. He is playing by the fuckboy manual from open to close and i've seen it and i know it and i know with which i see thank you craig straight up laughs which he should have and in a confessional craig says yeah i think that Lindsay probably would have left any of her ex-boyfriends for austin and i think that they've hooked up multiple times has anybody told me that no but i'm not an idiot I feel like everybody turned a corner on Craig in a positive way for him in this episode. And here's why. Here's why I've always had like a bit of a soft spot for Craig is that Craig at the end of the day likes to gossip. He likes to talk shit about people and it's necessary. This is, you need somebody like Craig on a show like this. And this is why Kyle is the same way. This is why they're delightful because they want to get down to, for lack of a better term, the girl talk. They want to know the tea. They want to know what's happening. They want to know who's fucking who, what's going on. And he reads them down. And this is why Craig is so funny to me. Where Craig is lost is like on the last season reunion where he, A, gets wasted. And B, he gets too involved. He gets too involved with like Austin's well-being. And that's where he goes a left for me. But when he just stays in this lane of like, I know what's going on. I'm telling everybody. I don't care. I have no loyalty. Like, this is what I need. This is what I need from Craig. So finally, with a case of fireball shots for everybody, in walks Hubhouse. She says that she's so excited to be on vacation with Austin. (laughs) She makes it very clear that she's excited to be here because of Austin. Because it's been over a year since they were last together. And this is the first time that they're both single at the same time. In a very long time. And she's just so happy to be with him. She makes everybody do shots immediately. We're not even outside of the foyer at this point. She's not even seeing the kitchen. She's not taking a, a piece of luggage down to her room. No, no, no. It's shots time. And then she and Austin go outside to catch up. So she's laying it on pretty thick immediately. And is like, I'm so happy to see you here. Like, it's been so long. Like, why don't you catch me up on what's been going on in the house? and Allison's like okay um all right I'm just gonna put that out here um Andy made out with uh Paige and I made out with Sierra (laughs) so Lindsay's like okay mm, so are you planning on making out with her again or (laughs) and he's like yeah I mean I want to and all Lindsay can do is that like deer in the headlights blasted on smile that you get when you're piss somebody just burst your bubble and you're like well if i move this smile i will cry so we're just gonna keep smiling and i will look like a weirdo um who's completely disassociated from this moment i'm above myself in this moment watching me smiling and i i look stupid but there's nothing else i can do i felt so bad for her poor thing (laughs) so then Lindsay's like okay well have you made out with anybody else? <laughs> and he's like, dude, like, I'm just trying to have fun here. Like, so if it's all a big love fest and like, let it be. 
Okay, Austin. So Lindsay goes down and she gets settled into her room. So she's sharing with Julia. And they start to get to know each other. And Julia brings up Austin and says, I've been talking to him a lot. He's been saying a lot about you. And I can kind of tell by what he said that, like, you guys might have a bond. And Lindsay sits down and she's like, well, nobody really knows the history between us. So basically, she gives us a rundown on everything. Three years ago, he shows up at the Hamptons. They made out. Then, two years ago, he comes back to New York on New Year's Eve. They basically hang out for four days straight, lovey-dovey, right? They would talk to each other through their relationships. They were the shoulder to cry on. They would call each other crying, like literally crying and working out their situation with Sandwich and Madison. And then she says that the last New Year's Eve, they weren't together, but they were FaceTime, FaceTiming each other like 15 times during that day. And then at one point he's like, Lindsay, I'm going to date you this year. And she says that she was shocked. So she's like, I need to have a conversation with him and be like, what's going on? You know, this is very much giving summer camp <laughs> in a good way. This is giving like Petey from fat camp vibes where he's just like into everybody. He's greasing everybody's wheels. He's flirting. He's doing whatever. This is Petey. Austin is Petey. <laughs> I can't believe it. And it's just like, it's almost like we had this thing a year ago, last year at summer camp. And then we, I got his number on the last day and we texted a couple times. And, you know, like three weeks ago, he told me that we were going to be together when we got back to camp. But then Austin found uh, the new girl at the camp. She's new this year. And he's like, oh shit. And that's who I want to be with. This is exactly what it is. Um, so this is also like compounded by the fact that Andrea is like going to Austin and being like, hey, uh, let's go over to the girls room and tell them how pretty they look. <laughs> that was my Italian accent. <laughs> so anyway, everybody goes night tubing, which seemed fun on paper but it looks so sad in real life because they only had enough snow for the top of the hill and at the bottom you can tell they had to like substitute and supplement by doing by putting those like black rubber mats that people use like when they're working in a kitchen like in a chef's kitchen to keep them like lumbar straight or whatever the fuck it's supposed to do why why were those on like it's just to keep the keep the tread going and then they were all running into that little uh gate thing (laughs) it was pretty pretty sad a lot can happen in three years like a chatbot may be your new best friend but what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moon. 
Moonpig.com. After that, everybody goes to the bar. And for some reason, Craig lifts up his shirt to reveal his nipples. And Luke makes a comment of like, bro, you have like fun sized tiny nipples. And Austin is like, he does. <laughs> In a way that you could tell that Austin had known this for years and he'd held tight to it. And he's just waiting for the moment for somebody else to notice so that he could bring it up. <laughs> Austin and Craig need to pause from each other. You know, <laughs> they're almost, I, I'm just kidding. They are kind of stronger together. Like I like them better as a unit away from Southern Charm way more than I do separately on their show. So Kyle's by the bar, Lindsay joins him, and they start gossiping about Austin. And Kyle wants to know, like, what exactly is going on between you and Austin? Because I feel like there are some underlying feelings there. Austin, across the bar, can see them talking. And so they're like, okay, bring him over, and we're just going to mention it all. So they start to hesitate, and they're like, well, um, what had happened was, uh, but then they're just like, yeah, we fucked, you know? <laughs> Lindsay's doing that laugh of like, oh, oh, you caught me. It's out now. But Austin is working on overdrive to like downplay the situation of like, oh, it was so many years ago. It happened on one of my many breakups with Madison. And, you know, I like Lindsay, but I just really want to see where things go with Sierra. And then he's like, oh, I'm just so over this love triangle stuff. <laughs> Are you? <laughs> Sir, yeah, I, I'm sure you're really broken up about the fact that two gorgeous women that are objectively out of your league are fighting over you. I'm, I'm sure you're really, really broken up about that as you uh, touch Lindsay's butt in real time while looking at Sierra. You seem really, really hurt. So Kyle's like, great, thank you, finally, for not using all these words to talk around what you did. Thank you for using words that I can actually understand to describe your relationship. But now you guys keep hugging and it's getting weird. So bye. So this, now the coast is clear, right? So Austin can lay it on thick with Lindsay. Now that he has her alone, he puts his arm around her and is like, hey, like, we've got two weeks together. Is it really wrong if we just say fuck it to everybody and just be together? Excuse me? <laughs> um, You're telling everybody a different story at this point, and I don't like that. So Lindsay's like, you know what? Yeah, I have thought a lot about you and a potential future. And then they hug. A long hug. A hug so long that everybody's watching and commenting on how long the hug is. And Somebody asks, are they crying? Like, is that why they're hugging so long? And no. <laughs> Somebody else says, no, I think he, Austin's just sweating because they've been in embrace for like an hour now. Um, Sierra is side-eyeing the hell out of them. And in confessional, she's like, listen, I knew they were close, but ever since Lindsay got here, it's like she's trying to hog all of Austin's attention. So everybody gets back to the house and Sierra goes into Austin's room. And he's like, oh, yeah, like, do you just want to cuddle in bed and be cute with each other? But right when Sierra gets into Austin's bed, Lindsay walks in. And the room is situated so that you can't see who's in the bed until you really walk into the bedroom. So Lindsay's like thinking that she's going to have this moment in the room with Austin. And then she sees Sierra and she's like, uh, so, um... 
I'm going to go change my clothes. And then she just rolls her eyes and walks out. (laughs) It was so awkward. So very awkward. And Lindsay at this point is fully wasted, but she doesn't seem to know it until she goes into the kitchen, sits down, and then tries to get up from her seat and falls into the pantry and onto the floor. And then she just goes, ow, that was a lot. (laughs) I love her. So Amanda tries to help escort Lindsay into their room or to her room. She tries to help for Austin uh, to come help her. So Sierra finds Craig and she's like, I have a question for you. So they go sit down and Sierra's like, I just walk into Austin's room. Lindsay walked in. She saw me. She rolled her eyes and then left. And Craig's like, yeah, well, they hooked up like three years ago. And ever since, I think Lindsay has this thing for him. And I also think that in the last two years, she would have left anybody she dated for Austin in a heartbeat. So Sierra's like, great. (laughs) So then Lindsay and Amanda and Austin are all in the room. Uh, Lindsay has somehow, now that she's back in Austin's orbit, has sobered up enough to straddle him while he's laying on the floor. And Amanda is like... Yeah, I really wasn't, like, thinking that this is what was going to happen when we got into the room. So, you know, I'm just really not interested in watching this. So, Austin and Lindsay are looking so deeply into each other's eyes. Like, if the cameras weren't here and Amanda wasn't here, your little snow pants, Austin, would be off. And we'd be rubbing rayon together. Austin is such a bad guy. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> he's such a fuckboy. This is chapter two. You're, she's got you straddled. You're laying on your back on the ground and you're looking at her like, I want to fuck you right now. And you don't know why she has feelings for you. Like really dude. Uh, unbelievable. So then Austin has to pretend like he doesn't want her on. And he's like, Oh, get up, get up. And when he gets up, he like settles himself down and he says, Like, Amanda's like, what's going on with you guys? So Austin says, Lindsay, I love you. And Amanda's like, well, there's family love and there's romantic love. Austin doesn't answer. And instead, lobs it over to Lindsay and says, are you in love with me? And she says, I don't know. (laughs) And then Austin says, I love you too, to Lindsay again. So Amanda walks away like, this is not what I want. I don't know what's going on with you guys. Goodbye. Like, I've got my own weird relationship to be in. So then Craig goes back and tells Sierra that, like, it really shouldn't be that big of a deal if Lindsay had a crush on Austin. And Sierra says, yeah, but I didn't know that this was a current thing. Lindsay's now sitting on bed, on the bed. Her She's so drunk that her eyes are crossed. <laughs> and she finally admits that she's in love with Austin. Like, I love you. And then she starts clapping. I'm in love with you. And I don't think you understand. (laughs) Austin says, I don't think I do either. Like, are you just saying this because you're drunk right now? Lindsay says, no, I'm in love with you. Austin chugs the rest of his bottle of fireball. Lindsay asks him what he thinks and says, it's up to you. Austin says, okay. (laughs) And he gets up and he walks out of the room. But in a confessional, he says, Lindsay of all people should know that I shouldn't hear somebody tell me right now that they're in love with me. She knows the trauma and deception and the unhealthiness of my ex-girlfriend's bullshit. What? (laughs) You're mad at her for loving you? (laughs) 
<laughs> make that make sense, sir. After that, everybody is getting settled to go to bed. And I don't know why they showed this tiny little clip, but it was so funny to me. And I encourage you guys to watch it back. But it was a clip where a bunch of people are sitting on the bed and Craig is doing what appears to be the end of some sort of dance routine. <laughs> and then he does his like spin around twirl move. And then he goes, no, wait, like, would it, is it better impact if I do it this way? <laughs> Like, he's trying to work out the choreography, and they're all just laughing at him, like, Craig, what are you doing? And I need to see the unedited footage of that. Was it it a whole dance routine? Was it just a moment? Was he just practicing which twirl looks cooler on him? (laughs) I need to know. So the next morning, Austin goes into Craig's room, and he's like, dude, Lindsay told me she was in love with me. And Craig's like, yeah, I told you that. (laughs) And Austin says... Dude, I hate when you write. You're like an idiot savant. I'm like, no, you're an idiot. You're an idiot. Neither of you are savants. But you're the definite idiot in this situation. Do you guys really think that he did not have any idea that Lindsay had feelings for him? Like, come on. In the time where you, you fucked her. You hooked up with her. You projected some sort of relationship future on her. Potential with her. You FaceTime her all the time. I mean, this is where this is like we could have a conversation with, like Hannah and Luke. Like clearly, you guys were e- the other person's emotional um, go-to. Clearly, there's been some physical chemistry with you. I mean, at least Lindsay got the D out of the situation, unlike Hannah. But I just like where he could not be. He cannot be that stupid. He cannot be that stupid to think that he would get away with this. Come on. So in their room, Sierra tells Paige that she kind of wants to know what happened with Lindsay and Austin, like what they talked about the night before. But she's also starting to put a wall up. She's starting to get annoyed. And she kind of wants to tell Austin to, we'll go on pause and you need to figure out what's going on with you and Lindsay. By the way, this whole episode has um, Kyle being annoying about the sleeping arrangements. It's really not worth mentioning because like I said, he's being annoying. The other annoying thing is Andrea going full Disney prints on page. Like I don't care. I don't care that you get her the coffee with the vanilla because you knew that she liked it. I don't care that you're constantly saying how beautiful she is and kissing her between her um, middle part. I, I don't care. Okay. Um, what I do care about is the fact that I've fully leaned into my love of himbo king luke gulbranson who introduces austin to something a midwest delicacy cocktail called a beer teeny which appears to just be whatever beer you want in a glass with olives at the bottom so you can have snack at the bottom not a snack at the bottom so you can have snack at the bottom I love him. This is compounded with the fact that he stayed behind from their fat tire bike activity, something that I didn't even know existed, to make an igloo. And not even just any igloo. Not just like, let me just pile up a bunch of snow and dig it out. This was like a whole legit, I'm making snow bricks, I'm using a chain, like a whole situation, like a real igloo. And I really hope that he completes that. And I hope some people help him. Anyway, um, Doja Cat comes outside to watch Luke make the igloo. And 
in a confessional, a producer asks Luke if he feels like Gabby might be catching feelings for him. He says, well, I don't know. Like, I'm really oblivious to that thing. Like, a woman could be totally naked in front of me and I wouldn't necessarily know she was interested. And I started to get annoyed because I was like, you're so good looking that surely you know when people come on to you. And then I was like, oh, you're so good looking that you don't even know the difference anymore. Like, everybody probably treats you like they're in love with you. And now you just don't know. And then I started to get annoyed again. But I still love him. You know, I still do. Um, Doja goes away. Amanda comes to talk to Luke. And Amanda asks, like, would you ever see anything with Gabby? And he's like, well, she's really pretty, but I just don't think it's going to go any further than that. And then... She says, well, what about Lindsay? And he's like, no, she's like a sister to me. Like, that would be weird. (laughs) So the episode ends with Austin taking Lindsay aside to talk after the fat tire biking. So Austin says, how are you? Like in a, you were wasted last night. So what is it that you know? How are you feeling? Are you regretting telling me that you were in love with me over and over again last night? How are you? (laughs) Lindsay's like, I'm fine. (laughs) And he's like, well, I'm not because you dropped a bomb on me, like straight up told me that you were in love with me. And I didn't know that. And then he says, Linz, I love you. Like a sister. It just works so much better that way. And I, I don't want to get this fucked up because we're too close. And the whole time Lindsay's giving him that wide eyed stare of, oh, okay. He's just bursting my bubble again. And not going to get what I want. Here's the thing. I want Lindsay to have a relationship style dating show. Now I know this is going to be a deep cut for you guys because I really think like seven people may have watched the first episode of Relationship and then it was like waffling to around three to four for the rest of however many episodes were. Um, But I think it would be a really good thing for Lindsay. Lindsay bleeds out. Okay, she shows her ass for better or for worse. She loves and wants to be in love and she's very open hearted. And in another world, she would make a great bachelorette, like probably the best bachelorette of all time. But yeah, I want that for her. I want Lindsay to find love. I want Lindsay to find love, not in Austin. Okay, I want her to find anybody else, anyone else at all. So that's my prayer for Lindsay. I'll be lighting a candle for her tonight. Um, that's the it. That's the it. That is the end of this week's episode. Thank you guys so much for listening. Thank me for speaking. If you want to give me a five-star review on Apple podcasts, that would be fun.